0: In late March, Bob Kocher's phone flooded with calls. Hospitals panicked. Coronavirus infections were sweeping across California, but labs, doctors, and nurses had a problem. The swabs, vials, and kits, the supplies that they needed to test patients, had run out. Then Bob got a call was Kaiser Permanente, the healthcare giant that cares for 12 million people, the provider with 39 hospitals, and more than $80 billion in annual revenue.
1: Hello, we're Kaiser. You may have heard of us. Uh, We can't run any tests. The story of what California did to dig itself
0: out of this COVID testing hole. From the Annenberg Studio at the University of Pennsylvania, I'm Dan Gorenstein, and this is Tradeoffs. It's March
2: 19th. Thank you, everybody. Um, California Governor Gavin Newsom just declared
0: an emergency stay-at-home
2: order. That directive goes into force and effect this evening.
0: With coronavirus cases multiplying across the state, hospitals, health departments, and labs scrambled to diagnose and track the virus. At that point, California barely managed to process 2,000 tests a day in a state of 40 million people. The situation, says Bob Kocher, was bleak.
1: What we discovered was that nearly every lab in California was missing one of the essential ingredients to do a test. And the challenge is that we have hundreds of labs in California, and they were calling the company saying, send me more stuff. And the company said, well, we're out of everything, too. The whole world wants these things. We're allocating them in a super secret way, I mean, we don't have any for you. Bob
0: leads the healthcare investment at the venture capital firm Venrock. He also served in the Obama administration as a senior healthcare care advisor. In February, state health officials recruited Bob to help California improve testing access. In those early days, Bob went to manufacturers hat in hand.
1: Because we were the governor's office calling, we could get through to the companies and, and initially lean on their mission orientation and guilt to have them then bring some special supplies.
0: Bob, along with Charity Dean, Assistant Director of the California Department of Public Health, knew that was a stopgap. Without supplies to scale up testing, the state had no compass to guide public health decisions, when to lift stay-at-home orders, or where virus hotspots were brewing. If Charity could not answer the most basic question, who is infected?
3: Looking down the long road, we knew that in order to get there, we'd have to have a really strategic approach. We'd have to measure ourselves with data.
0: In late March, Newsom formally created a testing task force to be co-chaired by Charity and Bob. To hit their first goal, 25,000 tests a day within four weeks, they needed to deal with the supply chain bottleneck. Paul Markovich, the president of Blue Shield of California, became the third co-chair.
4: We put together a group of people who called all of the labs and documented the supplies that they had, the manufacturers that they were using, the capacity that they had. And so we had an entire inventory across the state of all the labs and we were updating it daily.
0: The task force worked with California-based medical supply company, Hardy Diagnostics, who sourced 22 million swabs in China and began manufacturing other supplies. That led to 22 million testing kits, but many people in that moment were not eligible to get tested.
3: The CDC guidance did not advise testing people who are asymptomatic. And of course, as a state public health department, we wanna be lockstep with the CDC and with our federal partners. But we also have to acknowledge what was happening on the ground and we have to respond to that.
0: In early April, based on CDC guidance, all states limited tests to high-risk people with symptoms. A microbiologist by training, Charity studied the scientific research from China, showing that people with no signs of the virus were actively spreading the disease, significantly driving numbers up. To test 25,000 people a day and to get a hold of the pandemic, Charity decided the state had to expand who could get tested. She called it a game-changing moment.
3: Rewriting that guidance, quite frankly, was a bold move but it was absolutely based on public health concepts that are hundreds of years old and sound scientific data.
4: Charity really stuck her neck out. Step outside of the federal source for guidance, If it blows up in your face. That's a pretty good way to lose your job.
0: A few weeks later, California officially announced asymptomatic healthcare workers and people living in residential homes could now get tested. The trio waited. Nervously, for a federal backlash.
1: We're dependent upon support from FEMA to provide supplies to our state. We're dependent on CDC supporting our efforts. We're dependent on the White House working with us. The risk Charity took was that if the CDC said this was crazy and we think that California is like out to lunch here, or if there was an angry tweet from the White House, we would have had a lot of challenges. And then another call to Bob's phone. I was stunned to get a call from Jared Kushner saying thank you for expanding the guidance in California. We've been wanting to do this for the country.
0: A senior administration official confirmed Bob's account of his call with Jared Kushner, who is running a COVID response team. Simultaneously, the California task force had begun standing up test sites with an eye on placing most in underserved areas. Those moves helped the team hit its 25,000 test goal in just 21 days, but nobody was ready to pull out any mission accomplished banners. A May 4th article from Kaiser Health News described a supply chain still reeling and overwhelmed testing deserts in underserved areas, a rural community examining raw sewage for traces of coronavirus contamination. It painted a picture of a state divided between the haves and have-nots. Paul said they knew there were gaps.
4: We had done mapping. We had a process for prioritizing which ones would go in which communities based on income, based on ethnicity, to try to get it to the neediest populations.
0: The team identified about 60 new testing sites to improve access for the rural towns and the communities of color, the have-nots. By early June, California averaged 60,000 tests a day or 1.5 tests per 1,000 residents and others have noticed. Bob says eight states, including New York, Michigan, and Nevada, have reached out for guidance. By all accounts, the task force can celebrate real success, increasing testing 30-fold. But for all the ground that they've gained, Bob, Paul, and Charity have new goals. Charity is focused in part on catching hotspots. Hard to do, she says, when public health departments must count on slow, old-fashioned data systems.
3: A lot of the way that data is tracked in public health right now is the same way it was done 100 years ago. We're still faxing or mailing paper records of test results. And that means that the emergency room can't just log into a system and see all of that patient's information and public health results. So that cripples the ability to be nimble and fast on the ground.
0: Another priority, affordable, reliable tests companies need to keep workers safe as they return to their jobs. Paul says the majority of tests are really just Inefficient.
4: Having people go to a physical location, sticking a very large swab up their nose and tickling their brain, putting it in a tube with some goop and sending it to a lab and running it all through at a hundred bucks a pop is the most accurate gold standard way to have confidence whether someone is infected or not.
0: The task force says insurers are picking up about 90% of the cost of the actual tests. The state pays half a million dollars a day to run the 100 testing sites. The federal government will cover up to 70% of the state's costs until the federal emergency declaration is lifted. After that, it's all on California. That leaves Bob dreaming of something better.
1: I'm imagining a world where we can have sample collection kits in every pharmacy and convenience store in the state so that the contact kind of tracing team can say, just go to the nearest store and grab the sample collection tube, take it right now, and then mail it in and we'll get you a result very quickly. That does not exist today.
0: The upheaval brought by this pandemic and the limitations of testing have inspired even the most data-driven of people to hope for a moonshot. I'm Dan Gorenstein, and this is Trade-Offs. We know that COVID-19 is hitting black and brown communities especially hard. And public health officials are still not reaching everybody.
3: And the people we're missing are still the people who are at highest risk.
0: Next time on Tradeoffs, the group's hardest to reach and what is being done to get them the services that they need.
2: If you enjoyed today's episode of Tradeoffs, leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you use. You can keep in touch with us between episodes by following us on Twitter at TradeOffsPod or sign up for our newsletter at TradeOffs.org. The TradeOffs team is producers Ryan Levy and Vicki Stern, intern Sabrina Ems, researchers Emily Patterson and Jamie Song, sound designer Andrew Perella, and editor Leslie Walker. The TradeOffs theme song was composed by Ty Sitterman with additional music this episode from Checky Brown, Broke for Free, and Blue Dot Sessions. Additional thanks to Nop Li Le, Bonnie G., Amy Zhang, Don Campbell, Corinna Albert, and the Tradeoffs Advisory Board. Thanks also to our listeners who helped to support our work, including David Gottesman and Kelly Osmondson. Tradeoffs is supported in part by the California Healthcare Foundation, Arnold Ventures, and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, Additional support from the Leonard Davis Institute of Health Economics and the Center for Public Health Initiatives at the University of Pennsylvania. The views expressed in this episode are those of the individuals and not those of trade-off staff, advisors, or funders.